This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello, and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Marissa Miller, a journalist and editor covering health, nutrition, style, beauty, travel, and more with work published in the New York Times, Women's Health, GQ, and others. And now here we are reading a letter from a listener. I would love it if you wouldn't mind reading our third letter. Yes. All right. So title is Bush Battleground. My husband is a victim of childhood sexual abuse. He spent the last decade in many different forms of therapy to address it. In the beginning, I was not a supportive wife because his trauma was also wrapped up in other issues with our relationship. We underwent a year and a half of couples counseling and have worked to repair how we've mistreated one another. One remaining issue is my body hair. As a result of his trauma, my husband likes to stay very clean. I understand that female body hair isn't a sign of cleanliness, but here we are. I'm pretty lax with shaving. I do it when I get around to it or have an event. My husband is clearly grossed out by it. When I asked him once why it bothered him so much, he said it was due to his abuse and body hair triggering him. Given my past shortcomings in supporting him, I started to shave, but after a few months went back to my normal schedule. While I don't have any issue against shaving aside from the annoyance, I can't help but feel this is unfair. Should my husband's sexual trauma mean he has control over my personal care? Or am I being stubborn and should just shave regularly given it clearly upsets him? Wow. Yeah, this one, you know, I almost don't quite know where to start. And I want to proceed carefully and with respect and and compassion for both parties here. Yeah. Yeah. I was so curious about that sentence. In the beginning, I was not a supportive wife because his trauma was also wrapped up in other issues with our relationship. And I'm just so curious about what did that look like? What is this letter writer's sense of what a supportive wife is or does? What was he doing or saying or not doing or not saying um, that was, uh, you know, kind of gestured at in other issues with our relationship? Um, I, I, I'm so, I wish I could learn a little bit more about that. I, I realize that we can't. So I think that I will simply say on that front that letter writer, I would encourage you, you know, it, it, it seems like you're really concerned right now about this sense of fairness. Um, and I would encourage you to kind of separate out ideas of fairness from questions of, um, respect if that makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm less interested in figuring out like what's the most 100% fair ruling that we can offer you where you can both just like write it down permanently and that's the one fair thing and, and think of it instead in terms of what's possible, what's reasonable, what are good backups, good compromises that might be available to you, uh, to think of it in terms of like multiple options rather than simply one and done. Um, because there's this slight framing towards the end of it's like, which one wins? You know, like my bodily autonomy or his trauma. Um, and like, we both have a, a, a couple of cards and we have to like put them down and see whose hand has a greater value. And then that person wins and they get their way and the other person does what they want. And that's not to say that that's how the letter writer believes that a relationship ought to be. I think there's just that fear that that's the only way to think about somebody else's trauma with care and love. And I don't think it is. 
Right. What I would kind of think about is maybe working backwards. See what other facets of the relationship or ideas you have about the trauma that you can work on in a more tangible way so that potentially down the line, this issue with body hair can sort of organically fade over time. I would like to know more about the the actual traumatic event that took place because this would give me more information about how I can guide letter writer on maybe not accidentally reenacting said event, for example, because because I want to know the link between body hair and trauma. I want I want to know what happened. It's a little bit in- integral to my understanding of what happened and and how we can sort of come to a happy a happy medium. Um, but I I also believe that. As partners, we sort of feel, we, we feel, I mean, rightly so, responsible for our partner's emotional well-being. But these things are very often outside the scope of our practice in that we could potentially be doing more harm than good if we try to intervene or, or make sort of clinical decisions based on what we feel um, is appropriate when really they're battling something that we will never be able to to conceive or fathom. Yeah. I think my other question here too is like, are these questions of like grooming ideas about cleanliness, relationships to triggers, um, are they coming up in the context of like physical and sexual intimacy or are they coming up in the course of daily life? I'm wearing shorts in the summer. Not because, you know, my answer would change wildly depending on the context, but you know, the, the implication I think is that it might be shading into their sex life, but it's it's not quite clear in what context this comes up. And if it's a question of, you know, if I am wearing, you know, uh, jeans that end a little bit before my socks and he sees leg hair, does that cause a, a traumatized response in him? Or is this, you know, it occasionally comes up when we are either having sex or like, you know, gearing up to have sex. Um, so right. it might also be worth thinking about, um, how often does this come up? When does it come up? Do I see any sort of connections between different episodes? Like, are there any things that those moments have had in common that we can discuss together? That, you know, th- that might be useful to you too. Um, I-, I think one thing that will be helpful to you, letter writer, is to reframe your idea of what support looks like in the context of trauma triggers, which is to say, it is not your job to make sure that you never even accidentally do or don't do anything that might lead to your husband experiencing a triggering moment. In part because oftentimes triggers are not necessarily straightforwardly connected to something that is like predictable or or replicable. Um, and also because, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's not possible to, to always and perfectly and permanently avoid all triggers. Um, right. So the goal is not perfect eradication of any possible trigger. The goal is encouraging and listening to your spouse, talking honestly and openly about what you can do to be useful, as well as limitations in your ability to be useful, and finding out, you know, de-escalation strategies. Like, you say that you and your partner were in couples counseling for about a year and a half. It's not quite clear to me if you're still there or not, but I'd be really curious, you know, has your husband ever seen a therapist of his own um, specifically for work with like PTSD and how he can, you know, self-regulate in triggering moments? And that's not to say you have to like go to him and say like, you must do this tomorrow. This is your homework. But he might find that useful. That might be useful work. Again, not like 
hey, you're on your own. I'm never going to, you know, even think about how I could potentially accommodate you. Just go find a therapist and do some breathing exercises and get over it. I don't mean it in that sense at all. But if he hasn't yet um, sought out that kind of specific treatment, he, he may find that that's really helpful. Again, not in eradicating triggers, but at least in like diminishing um, reaction time. You know, if, if you're able to get to a place where, you know, okay, I think I have a general sense of some of my main triggers and I've been working with my therapist on ways to sort of like look out for myself, try to calm down my like nervous system, my heart rate, my breathing in moments of being triggered so that I can, you know, seek additional help, seek a different additional peace um, that will that will make things easier to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to triggers, the goal is not to sort of sufficiently walk on eggshells around them, but create new associations. And that's exactly what the therapy EMDR does. It uh, stands for eye movement de-escalation reprocessing, I believe. And basically what it does, it, it just it creates new associations in the brain so that there's less hyperarousal at the sign of of the trigger. Um, and, and so I wish, I wish them the best and that they can get through this together. Uh, I just want her to know that this is not her responsibility to fix on her own. I hope that her partner is going to therapy faithfully, uh, because she deserves to feel some bodily autonomy at the end of the day. I mean, I wouldn't blame her if some of this resentment does seep out into other facets of the relationship. I mean, it's only normal that something as basic as your need to, or your desire to make choices about your own body, when that is taken away, I mean, of course, resentment is going to spill out into other avenues. So I just want her to know that she's doing the right thing and she's asking the right questions. Yeah. And again, without knowing more about what the letter writer considers past shortcomings in supporting him, you know, part of me wonders, what's the scale there? Like how, how unsupportive were you? Were there ways in which your current expectations of supportiveness might go too far. Um, I, I don't know, so I won't try to speculate because I think that could lead us into really tricky territory. So I'll just say, letter writer, rather than saying, the only way I can support my husband is if I shave every day. Um, and if I don't do that, I'm being unsupportive. Um, maybe the better goal there is the best way that I can support my husband is if we have you know an honest conversation about our shared goals, expectations, hopes, and try to find out some possible compromises that meet in the middle there so that we both have at least a clear understanding of what, what's going on. Um, it might not be, you know, I shave myself like I am Jude Law in Gattaca every morning. Wait, it's <laughs> Ethan Hawke who shaves himself every morning in Gattaca. I apologize uh, to, to Mr. Hawke. Um, but that my husband and I know, you know, What's, what's going on there? How do I, and, and it might even be like, I love and I want to respect the fact that body hair is tricky for you. I also feel like surveilled and uh, controlled when I think about needing to be shaved all the time, all over to feel supportive of you. Maybe that's just the beginning of that supportiveness is not, we found the solution. It's just naming the problem um, and being honest about the the scope and the um the, the limitations of that problem. That is a good place to begin. That is supportive. It, it does not mean we can only talk about this if we've picked a solution um, and we know that that solution is going to work. So I think to go into this knowing the solution is not going to be permanent, it's not going to be constant, and it's not going to involve never having hair on my body again. And, and that might free you up 
to feel a little bit looser, a little bit more nimble, um, rather than just like, well, we know what the answer has to be. So my choices are either say, yes, I'll cheerfully shave my whole body every day for the rest of my life, or I'm not going to do that. And now I feel guilty because I feel like that makes me responsible for harming you. Um, And it's so challenging, I think, to think about experiencing triggers, living with PTSD, um, and finding you know, reasonable workable accommodations without going to anything less than I do than perfection is causing additional harm. That means I'm hurting a traumatized person. That means that I'm bad. Um, and so I would encourage you to maybe revisit some of this with a couples therapist, maybe as well as pursuing individual therapy, particularly with somebody who is trauma informed and who does not, you know, suggest or encourage that like you are solely responsible or uniquely responsible for managing your husband's triggers. You can be supportive and encouraging and loving and respectful without taking them on as your job to eradicate. And I'm I'm so worried. I think I'm babbling because I'm just trying to really walk the line of like, I don't want to encourage this letter writer to say like, you're on your own. Your triggers are your responsibility. Deal with it. Or, you know, the the other direction of just like, oh, I'm awful if, if, if I go a week without shaving my armpits, it means that I'm harming somebody who's, who's been sexually abused as a child because both of those poles are really painful places to live and, and not good for either of you. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. I think my last thought, sorry, I know I just said I was babbling and I'm going to say one more <laughs> thing, is just you say, letter writer, that you asked your husband once why it bothered him. And it seems like in your letter, he has either directly or indirectly communicated that he's grossed out by your body hair. So you've had like one direct conversation. It's not clear to me how direct you were in response about your own frustration or your own resentment. Um, And this is not to say if you have multiple conversations, your husband's going to change his mind. But I I just want to point out, you know, you, it's not as if your husband has been on a regular basis saying, this is my biggest trigger. This is exactly what's going on. Like he's also communicating not simply a traumatic response, but a response of disgust which might mean that there are other factors at play there. Again, that's not to say the trauma is not real or or not connected, but um, there are other cultural concepts around women's body hair that might be informing your husband's response of disgust. And I don't say that so you can go back and say, I've got a better card now. Um, I I trump your trauma with, you know, uh, feminism, sexism. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, I think it will be good for you to at least keep an open mind as to like, if my husband has previously expressed like revulsion at my body for having body hair on my, I don't have to just chalk that up to that's his trauma. It's my job to absorb it. You are also allowed to think about how did that make me feel? How does that make me feel in my own body? How does that make me feel in terms of possible sexual intimacy between the two of us? And what might I want to ask from him in return? And that really was my last thought. This is our last question. It is a lightning round question. You have not seen it. This is a brand new surprise question for you. And um, it's, uh, it it also involves romantic relationships and the human body. And uh, the subject line is not a medical issue. Tonight, my boyfriend told me as an expression of love in his view, that my gut was so fat that it must be a medical problem. I want to accept this possibility as a suggestion in good faith. But I think that's just how my body accumulates fat. I also think I'm unlikely to lose it, and I'm better off focusing on loving the body I have. 
he can't accept that I'm upset with him for refusing to stop calling individual body parts fat. I'm working on loving the body I have, but getting yelled at for asking him not to repeatedly call me fat? Don't I have the right not to hear that? I love fat bodies. I have one. I'm learning to love my own fat body. Why does he get to act like he knows more about my health than I do? This is bullshit, right? You tell me when you're ready. I'll put it a minute on the clock. You might not need a whole minute or you might want to take that whole minute to just say one word over and over again. Oh Your call. my God. Well, okay. We can start now. And the whole word that I will repeat over and over is dump him, sis. <laughs> First of all, I love that letter writer says that she's working to and already loves her own body. That is phenomenal. And that is something that we all aspire to have. Hold on to that, please. Nothing is worth getting in the way of your self-esteem and your sense of self-worth. And if this person is not understanding on a basic fundamental level how harmful that can be, it's also a sign of, of where his mentality is and how archaic and outdated it is. I mean, this sounds like a sign of a way bigger problem beyond that one comment he made about your, your belly. And so... You are freaking awesome, and I wish I had even a modicum of the confidence that you have. Dump his ass. He's a trash fire. Beautiful, and you came in under time, too. I have a oh, feeling nice. I am also going to come in under a minute. I'll start now. Um, yeah, if somebody is repeatedly calling various parts of your body fat and, and not just saying that, but he's yelling at you when you tell him to stop, you can go ahead and trust that he is not coming to you from a place of concern about your health or deep medical expertise. He is a fucking asshole and you should dump him immediately. And then you should throw a party to celebrate the fact that you have dumped this fucking asshole and have all your friends over. Um, that's it. I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> Lightning round, baby. Hate this guy. Everyone's not great him. to do just an old fashioned, like your boyfriend's a monster. I hate him. Like, mail him to the moon. Goodbye yeah. forever. Yeah. Like, Send no nuance, no complication. I'm so sorry you dated a monster. Enjoy your freedom. Yeah, exactly. Eat cake on his grave. Too far? <laughs> as long as we're all clear that none of us are encouraging anyone to commit murder. Yeah, no one. Natural causes. No. Natural causes. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Yeah, in his late 80s. Whenever, yeah, whenever the time comes. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>